Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Hello, everybody. Greetings. Glad to be here with you as we're studying the book of Nehemiah. Uh, We have this challenge that we're going to be looking at. Uh, This is the third week, uh, three rhythms that Nehemiah is teaching uh, that I hope that we would take on for ourselves this year at here at CPC, this rhythm to look upward towards God and worship, and then today the strength and inward in community, and then lastly next week we're going to look at focusing outward, serving others. Now reminding you that Nehemiah returns as a third wave of these Babylonian exiles coming back, and we're seeing that Nehemiah, as he's working with these exiles, that they have a huge challenge. And the challenge is they have no protection for the city. They're the weakest of the weakest of nations, and so they have no security whatsoever. Nehemiah feels called to leave his comfortable position, very uh, pre- uh, prestigious and, and secure and safe position. He leaves all of that to come back to rally these people around worshiping God and building something, not only just to help the people, but for the glory of God. And it's this building project. And uh, you can take a look at, as we look at God's scripture today, that we see in verse 1 that they had a challenge. Now look at verse 1 with me. If you, You're going to notice in me each week, I'm going to keep going back to the Bible. So if you opened it, keep it open. Otherwise, just listen up. It says, now when Sembalat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Now, I want you to see this, that integral to the success of completing these walls of Jerusalem, it was the importance of the people of Israel coming together as one. They had to come together. There was a huge amount of opposition. There were financial challenges and physical challenges, and then there are these other external challenges. Now, here's one of the challenges was this guy named Sambalat and Tobiah. They're local leaders. They're not part of the Jewish community, and they are not being helpful. So what we see, these local leaders are mocking the attempts of the feeble Jews, and they are feeble. It's a ragtag group of people coming to try to build. They're not expert builders necessarily. They've been uh, exiled in Babylon for decades. I don't even know if they have the skills to rebuild this wall, but Nehemiah rallies them. Now, Sambala in particular was likely a local governor of the region. And so instead of encouraging the people, he is jeering at them, this ragtag group that Nehemiah is trying to bring together as a workforce, a community, doing something for the Lord. Now, remind you as well that Nehemiah in this new chapter is not just building a wall. It's not just a construction project. It is a new chapter spiritually for the people of God. That as we gather here today, we're not meeting as a church of uh, of a building. We're a people of God. And as we embark on our new chapter, we might build some building projects. We might do some programs, but it's all about us being a people of God, a new community God, a new chapter focused on God. And secondly, I want you to commit to going deeper in community with one another this year, us within this church community. Sambalat, this local governor, instead of encouraging, was mocking them. Now, this might be hard for you to imagine, but your pastor Tim, growing up in junior high, had a few people who made fun of him. I know, it's surprising. You look at me and say, what's there to make fun of, Tim? It's shocking, I know. But yes, junior high, 
all four foot six of me, and you're like, aren't you still four, point four foot six, Tim? Ha, 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 very funny. No, I'm a little taller than that. Ha, I saw you. No, I'm not four foot six. I'm a little taller, but all four foot six and 70 pounds of me, junior high, uh, was a challenging season for me. It was also challenging being one of the few Asian Americans in my wonderful Santa Barbara community who didn't understand the food I brought. And this is, you know, you got to imagine the 70s and 80s. It's not like people are drinking like boba drinks or anything. It's like, that's all weird. Like all the Asian food is weird. You're strange. And I'm bringing that every day. My weird food, uh, all four foot six, bowl cut, the whole bit. I'm bringing it. Um, And sometimes people made fun of me, okay? And to add insult to injury would be, I'm trying to be cool. We're in Santa Barbara. And back then... There was this cool clothing brand and like surfboard brand called Ocean Pacific. Have you ever heard of it? It's called OP. Is it still kind of cool to have OP? I mean, if some of you are like, yeah, Pastor Tim, I was rocking that in the 70s. Bring them back out, man. Vintage, bring them back. So the cool thing about OPs, and these were, I wanted some corduroy pants. And on OPs, there was a sweet O, capital O, and a lowercase p. And if people saw that in junior high in Santa Barbara, you're in. I mean, I was about to ascend the social ladder in junior high by, by telling my mom and dad I needed to purchase a pair of OP corduroys, okay? So mom, my wonderful mom, I just talked to her the other day. She went out, found me my OP corduroy pants. She came back and said, Tim, got good news. You're about to climb the social ladder of middle school. Here you are. And I, I'm all excited and I open it up, and this beautiful tan corduroy pants with a giant W on it. She went to Sears because in the stereotypical, and someone in the front was like, oh, my God, Sears? <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> my wonderful family, which stretches dollars beyond imagination, you got to imagine, we're the family where my grandpa used to take the stems off of pears so it would weigh less at the grocery line <laughs> checkout. Okay, that's my family. So instead of OP corduroys, this is a true story. I'm not in about that. My mom brings back not OP corduroys, but W, and they stand for wave, because no one's going to notice. <laughs> Junior hires are very kind people. They're encouraging, life-affirming. No one's going to say anything, right? Well, I walk in, like, weary. maybe I'll get away with it. I can put my hand over my pocket. No one will notice. First thing, all day at school, nice pants, ye, nice pants. Oh, God. And then I have to open my weird Asian food as well. And anyway, so it didn't go so well. Now, for some of you, that's funny. We remember, oh, junior high, ha, ha, ha. But you know what? We grew up, some of us, with, like, some major scars from people making fun of us. I'm not trying to play that down, right? And this is a serious situation. The Jews are back. They're poor. They're impoverished. They have total physical insecurity, economic insecurity. They're just trying to build some basics, and they're getting mocked by the local government instead of supported. I mean, imagine that kind of resistance. And in the midst of that resistance, of all this mocking, I mean, look at verse 3 again. I mean, imagine you, you're already hurting, you're already down. Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and they said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. I mean, that's not a compliment. It's like, their stuff they're building is so basic, like, it's never going to last. 
And sometimes you've even heard in your life, like, what you're trying to do, basic, not good, not going to last. That relationship's not going to last. Your faith's not going to last. That job's not going to last. You just, you're basic. You're not going to make it. So Nehemiah understands what these people need. They need to come together. And what it is, in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of the jeering, they came together as a community. Actually, I love that picture because it wasn't just Jesus and me. Does that make sense? It wasn't just, okay, hit opposition, what do you do? Well, of course, you just spend time, more time with the Lord, which you do. But we're seeing from scriptures, you also need a community. Yes, you worship and community because you weren't meant to go it alone. You were wired for worship and you're wired for community. Does that make sense? The, the Bible is telling you, you need them both. If you want to make it through life in the midst of the jeers and your own internal insecurities and people making fun of you and economic insecurity, physical insecurities, you need to worship God and you need a community to do it. So these people gather together in the midst of the mocking. Look at verses 6 and 9. And I love this. Nehemiah, after you read that. So we built the wall. I love that. This is what we did. Yeah, people are making fun of us. Yeah, we didn't know what we're doing. Yeah, we felt alone. We built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. I love that little phrase. The people. It wasn't like, I did it. Nehemiah's not pointing at himself. We did this. We worshiped God, and we came together in the midst of adversity as a community. Because you are wired for worship, and you're wired for community. You will not make it in this life all by yourself. You think you might, but you need people. You need God and you need people, okay? And then take a look at verse 9, okay? They built the wall, and then it says, we pray to our God. See that flow of worship? Community and worship, worship and community, all flowing together. We pray to our God, and we set a guard as a protection against them, these jeerers, day and night. Now, you, some of you know I've had some plumbing problems, so Pastor Tim and all his great skill is getting out tools he doesn't know how to use to try to unplug things day to day, and we're still wrestling with some stuff, but we figured out the issue. We're working on a solution, um, but imagine, this is what basically they're saying. Not only were they there building a wall, they had to protect themselves against maybe like a war, and so imagine me if I'm trying to unplug my toilet and I have a sword because I never know when random marauders might come by and like tackle me while I'm trying to unplug my toilet. That's what it was like for them for at least about two months. They're rebuilding the wall with a hammer and like a sword. You never know what's going to happen. That was the opposition they faced. And yet they came together as a community. In verse 6, and we built the wall. We worshiped God, and they committed to a community. It's fantastic to see how the Lord is working in them to focus them upward and then inward strengthening them. So in the midst of the mocking, after this impossible job, there was praying and building And there was fighting off enemies and building. And it was working together, coming together and praying together. God answered their prayer, blessed their work. Because I want you to see this. Community is often born out of adversity. It isn't just beautiful, wonderful potlucks and great meals and going golfing, all good things. Community is built out of those good things and out of adversity. That's what we learn from God's word today. So I'm looking at Nehemiah, person, I'm getting challenged by how he led his people, because I want to lead and serve you the same way, how he led his people 
to strengthen inwards towards community as they face adversity. And so this construction project was more than a building project. It forced individuals to come together and become a community. It was a greater purpose in themselves. And I want you to see this as we gather on Sundays. That's a good thing. We're worshiping God individually and as a community. But as we gather, you imagine every week we're part of something bigger than ourselves, bigger than just music, bigger than just hearing someone talk, bigger than having and and going and, and supporting these programs we do. You're coming together for something bigger than you, something even beyond your own lifetime to get that vision. That's why we need to be a community that God has us being brought together here. So community doesn't just happen. It is intentional. You must be intentional. If you're going to join us in this commitment this year to go deeper with God, focusing upward in worship, strengthening inward in community, you've got to be intentional. It's not by accident. So I want you to choose to develop community, but I'm going to begin with an enticement because there's advantages to community. There are. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you a couple more. So first of all, that one of the advantages to community is that you'll enjoy it and it makes your life better. Let me give you an example. This comes from actually a study done by researchers at the University of California in San Diego. It's called the cheerleader effect. I didn't make this up. You can Google it and realize I'm telling the truth, okay? They did five experiments with over 130 undergraduate students who were shown pictures of 100 people. Then they were then asked to rate their attractiveness. Some of the people in the pictures were cropped alone, and in other photos, they were part of a group. Ultimately, both men and women were found to be more attractive when they were in a group shot, and they measured it by 5.5%. Now, that means that your attractiveness increases by 5.5%. Just by being in a community. Amen. (laughs) And that's why I never take selfies. Because I need all the help this face can get. It's always group shot, group shot, group shot. I just see 5.5%. My attractiveness keeps going up. So community, there's an advantage. I'm trying to entice you because you are wired. Isn't that amazing? Our brains are wired to see, when they say we're attractive, that you're happier, that your life looks happier when you're with people more than like your selfie shot, right? You look better when you're with people because we're wired to be in community. So I'm saying just by the, 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 this studies are showing that it is a natural human desire. Now the book of Acts, to get biblical again, we won't turn there right now, we'll study the book of Acts one day. I want you to see in the book of Acts this amazing thing, that they're preaching God's word, people are coming to faith, amazing evangelism, they're doing mission work, the Holy Spirit is empowering them, and like miracles are happening, and prophecies, and people are getting healed, unbelievable stuff. But the book of Acts, early in the days of the early church, it says that the community, the unbelieving community, knew about the church, and knew about God's truth, not on all that other great stuff alone, but because they saw how they loved each other. We can have amazing programs here, but if people don't see on the outside that we actually love each other, that we actually have a community, that we're, not, that we're committed towards learning how to love and serve and bless one another, I'm saying, yes, within this community, believers, if they can't see it, why would they ever want to get to know us? 
if we don't even love each other? So that's a challenge. I'm trying to entice you to say it's good for your health to be in community. You're wired for worship, wired to be in community. But I'm also challenging you to say we cannot even proclaim in words and deeds the gospel if we don't love each other here. It, it, undermines, it undermines the message if we can't learn to be friends right here. Now, I said I'd give you some reasons why you should be in community, some enticements. I'm going to also tell you one obstacle. There's like 100 obstacles, but let me give you one obstacle to community. And it comes from this thing called the Peanuts comic strip, okay? The Peanuts have this guy named Charlie Brown. How many of you have ever seen a Charlie Brown comic strip? Because some of you may not. Okay. Back when I grew up, there was something called the newspaper, okay? And we turned physical pages, and then we would look, and I would go to the comic strip, Charlie Brown, Peanuts, and, and Charlie Brown was kind of like this downer guy, right? Always like something's going wrong. Like me and power tools was like Charlie Brown's life, okay? Just problems. And so Charlie Brown was always like, woe is me. And then he has this friend named Linus, and he's, he's the guy with the blanket. Linus he has a blanket. I don't know why he does, but he's got a blanket. And so Charlie Brown has this deep question for Linus, and he says, Linus, what would you do if you felt that nobody liked you? This is very Charlie Brown, right? Like, very downer guy. What what would you do if you felt like nobody liked you? And Linus, who's blanket, kind of thinks about it, and he says, well, I guess I would take a real hard look at myself. I I would ask if I'm doing anything that turns people off. Do I need to change in some way? Charlie Brown says, I don't like your answer. You know what an obstacle to community is? You. Because if you really want to build community, you're going to have to take a hard look at yourself. Is there something, Jesus, Holy Spirit, this is a risky prayer. Is there something about me that repels other people? Is there something about me that I refuse to change about myself that makes it difficult for people to build community with me? That's a risky prayer. I'm challenging you this year to pray that prayer. God revealed to me how I am my own obstacle to building community. There's a lot of different ways it could be, but you might be the obstacle. It's not that, oh, we don't have enough programs here and just, you know, Pastor Tim's sermons or, you know, he's, he's all over the place. Okay, fine. Fine, I am all over the place. Toilets, plungers. I'm gonna tell you a story about my Prius in a second. Okay, I am all over the place. But guess what? If you would risk to ask God, is there something about me that is hindering my worship? Is there something about me that's hindering my community? Oh, get ready, because God in his love for you is going to let you know what that is. But I'm telling you, you're wired for worship. You're wired for community. Take that risk with us this year and say, yes, I will pray that risky prayer. God revealed to me how I am my own obstacle to going deeper in relationships, because we each need to grow if we want community because sometimes the obstacle community is you. So risk that prayer because you might say, here how it is you. You might say, well, Pastor Tim, you don't know that in my life I've had these experiences building relationships. I've been hurt. Okay. I've been wronged. I've been, I, I've been mistreated. These are very real things. But I still would say you have a choice. Do you want to be healed of your cynicism? in the midst of your very real pain that you've experienced? Do you want to go through the tough work of laying your 
pains and scars before the Lord this year that he might heal you. Sometimes when we're that broken, we actually don't want to be healed. I'm going to say it. Sometimes we really don't want it because we're so used to living in the pain. It's like a familiar friend to live with this scar and this pain. And so it's like, it's hard to let go of this way of life that I know. It's, I hold on to my bitterness. I, I want to keep being mad at that person. I don't want to forgive them. I, I get it. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, could you take the risk to invite God in and to go deeper in your worship, but to go deeper in community and say, I'm going to risk saying, Lord, reveal to me something about me that is an obstacle to community. And it might be your cynicism about relationships, particularly in the church. Who here has not been hurt by someone in the church, someone who said they're a follower? Who hasn't? Not belittling your pain. I'm just telling you, we're all in it together. We're all wounded. And so are we willing in faith to take a risk with God this year and say, you know what, I'm taking a risk by opening myself up, Lord, but I'm going to take a risk, take a step of faith. Because I believe God wants you to open up that deepening community is a possibility, a real thing that can happen for you this year. But you have to be willing to work on yourself and be open to something new. And that new thing might be you changing your attitude, literally, and taking that risky prayer for the next year. God, change me. Do what you will with me. You have to be willing to work on yourself, be open to something. You have to be willing to do something different. In, the, in our church, we have someone named Greg Ogden, a good friend of mine. I'm so glad he's here. But he does this thing called microgroups. And I just want you to bother Greg this week and just ask him, what is a microgroup? Because it's an opportunity that you could take a risk this year and say, you know what, I'm going to go deeper with God. I'm going to go deeper in community. I'm going to go deeper in my discipleship. I'm going to be part of this thing called a microgroup. And so if most of you are saying, I don't know what that is. Just Google his name. It's all over the internet. And Google this microgroup thing. And guess what? It's right here. I bet some of you are supposed to say yes to that this year and take a risk. Working on worshiping God, working on your community, and also working on yourself. Removing obstacles that's making it hard for you to go deeper in community. This is a risk. Some of you are supposed to say yes to that opportunity. I promise you. We don't want anyone here a year from now, to not have someone in this community who they could call a good friend. I'm talking about someone who at 4 a.m. you were stressed out or something, you actually could call them, and they would not chew you out. I want you to be praying that risky prayer that a year from now you would have a friend like that. Even if he didn't call, you knew you could. That you knew you could. Someone in this faith community, a year from now, that you could call at 4 a.m. and know that they'd pick up and pray for you and listen to you. Does that make sense? That you would take the risk this year that you would make these investments, that you'd have that kind of relationship with someone in this community. I want you to pray that you can go deeper with the ministry this year. Go deeper with one relationship. Go deeper with one group. So maybe it's a micro group, or maybe it's, it's serving with the youth, or maybe it's serving in a ministry, or maybe it's just going out to coffee with someone. And Does that make sense? That you will commit to do something different this year, to go deeper in community. Because you're wired for worship. You're wired to go deeper in relationships. This is how God made you. And it's hard to do this, building community in a culture of speed, some people even said, we live in a time, it's like a, it's a microwave culture. I need it now, instant, right? 
It's just, I even have a th- on my phone, I have an app to like measure the download speed of anywhere I go. Because I just need to know, like, well, how fast is the internet download speed wherever I go? Like, anywhere I go, I do it. It's a culture of speed. Now, some of you know we just moved here to the community, and part of that is learning uh, the locals, the, the habits, getting to know people. And so this is such a friendly community. Let me tell you why. Because I do this commute off of this road nearby called Carmel Valley Road. You ever heard of this? Okay. And it clearly says 45 miles an hour. Okay. Clearly. I've seen the sign. Okay. And so your pastor, not wanting to land in like the local newspaper police blotter, right? I am trying to just simply follow the speed limit sign. Be a good community member. So I'm rocking out in my black 2008 Prius every day, going 45 on Carmel Valley Road. And you know what? You have the friendliest community I know because every day people are flashing their lights behind me and they're honking the horn saying, welcome, Pastor Tim. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for following the speed limit. And as they pass me, they wave at me. You're number one. You're number one. They're so nice. This is a wonderful, warm community welcoming me. I'm about to put a bumper sticker, like, come to CPC. So I wave back, hey, hey, brother, you don't know it's only 45, brother. So I'm being real friendly. Here's the reality. People want to go fast. We need to get somewhere. I'm sure they had something important to do. We live in a culture of speed, but guess what? Community takes time. It's it's like the slow bake version. It's a slow cooker version, okay? It's not the microwave version. It's a slow, it's a slow smoke. Anyone do those like meats on the grill? You got to smoke it like for 24 hours. Like it's, it's worth it, okay? But man, it takes time. Community takes time. But in a culture of speed, people are going to mock you. In a culture of speed and hurry and more, people are going to say, is it really worth my time? I'm telling you it is. Don't underestimate the power of community. Community is neither instant nor easy. Take a look at verse, chapter 5, verse 1, if you had your Bibles open. I want to show you that building community only takes time. It's, it's challenging. It says, now there arose a great outcry of the people. This is chapter 5, verse 1 and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. So time out, everybody. And the fourth chapter that we read was all about these outsiders, these non-Jews making fun of the Jews. Well, just one chapter later, after glorious construction project went beautifully, they're fighting amongst themselves. This is people within the church arguing and disagreeing, getting mad at each other. And so the good news I'm showing you from the Bible, guess what? Community takes time. And community is hard, even amongst believers. It's right there in the Bible. Even if we're all worshiping God, you might experience some challenges and some problems. Okay, let me give you a funny one. So now I'm the new guy in the block here. I've only been here a few weeks. And so in our office, we have a microwave to reheat your food. There's clearly a sign on the microwave. So I bring my leftovers. It says, please do not microwave any fish. But I love fish. And I love smelly things that, might look like fish. And so as a good community member, what am I going to do to this sign that says I can't be me? I can't be fully who I really am. What am I going to do? 
And so guess what? I can just microwave that fish and then live with the consequences, but I'm not going to be a very good community builder, am I? So I'm, so I'm kind of like working on that one right now. We'll kind of test the waters with it. But you know what? When you're trying to live with one another, you're trying to build community, it's hard. It's challenging. It's stressful. But guess what? God says you need it. We need it here. We need it for our, for our witness out to an unbelieving world, and we need it for ourselves because God has wired us for worship. He's wired you for community. People are so busy. They don't have time to, to, to wait for you to drive uh, the, the speed limit anymore. You got to speed up and get going, okay? Uh, and I, I need to slow down and, and realize that I should think about what I'm going to microwave before the next thing. I should talk and get to know my fellow, fellow coworkers to realize what's going to be a blessing to them. And so even within our own church community, guess what? We have differences, and it's going to be hard to build community. We actually have differences, but we can unite around Christ. And so I'm going to challenge you that as we, so we build a friendship with someone who looks different from you, who might be a different age than you, that you build community with someone in this community that might vote differently than you. Wow! You have different beliefs about some of those things. Because guess what? A community finds a way to unite around Christ, and over the long haul, the long haul of life, because community takes time. We're going to sit and feast with one another and listen to one another, because these challenges, I'm just meant are real challenges, internal challenges, that we will make the time to allow these challenges to be an opportunity to shape us into a community, that we as followers of Jesus in this own church because we focus upward towards God and we can focus inward towards loving one another, the early church in the book of Acts showed us, man, it, what a witness that would be. If we truly befriended one another, if we truly loved one another, that is our witness to an unbelieving world. And we have people who come each week who are not yet part of our church, who aren't following Christ yet. Guess what? They're watching to see if you really love God and if you really will love other people. They're watching us. So thank you for coming, keeping, keeping us in line, because we better learn how to love one another this next year if we want what we say to match up with what we do to honor God in that way. You know, I share the story about me being a kid, being made fun of. What I didn't share, though, is that I had a bunch of people who befriended me. A community came along who loved me beside my bowl cut and beside my corduroy pants with a big W on it, they still love me. And I can't even name them. It's Steve and Shauna and Devin and Billy and Mitch, and the names go on and on. And they might not even know that they saved my life because they befriended me. Community literally might save a life in here today. That if you, and for you, that you would commit to going deeper in relationship. In this community, be open to God to change you right? Because you might be the obstacle. I also want you to see the advantages of it, that you're wired for this, that this is fun, that you would take that risk and say, God, help me go deeper in community in this place this next year. Take that risk, because I don't want you to underestimate the power of community. It literally could save someone's life, your own or someone else's. You need it, and so do others. So wouldn't it be a great goal of 12 months from now, you could call someone in that time of need, 4 a.m., 
Wouldn't it be great because you committed to maybe some kind of community gathering that's in our church that, that by you committing that this next year that you would have a friend or a couple friends you can go deeper with. Or maybe you jumped into this micro group with Greg Ogden. You committed the next year and, the, and then that way you learned one more name, one more person, right, who knows you. And guess what? And one more person that you get to bless too because they need you as much as you need them. Maybe you volunteer in our, our children's ministry once a month. And guess what? We got a lot of kids coming at this service right now. We need you once a month. Say yes. Go deeper and say yes. That's part of your community. You know, bless. And little Logan, what an advertisement. Come and bless little Logan once a month. Okay, let's get 40 of us saying once a month, I'm going to change that diaper. Yes. Once a month, I'm going to bless those kids because guess what? You need it. That community as well. I want to give you a picture of the challenges and the opportunity. Because in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, I want you to see it said, all the people, it's page 403 if you're following along, it says, and all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Here's the thing I want you to see. The people themselves, as they worshiped God and they struggled through community, right? They decided we needed to gather. They said, hey, pastor, we need to gather. We're going to come together. We're going to start worshiping God. We want to hear from God's word. Would you come and teach us God's word? The community themselves were growing into the community saying, we long for God's word. We want to come together. And here's a challenge because most Americans are pretty lonely. In fact, some outsiders would say we're one of the loneliest people in the world as they study our, our trends and our, our culture. We're kind of happy. We're known as being kind of like friendly and fun-loving and happy around the world, but the stats show that we're pretty lonely. We're often alone in our cars or behind a locked door or behind a, a, a gated community or in our cubicle or whatever it would be, or we have headphones on. You ever ride? In L.A., I rode on public transit sometimes, and so I was not going to be that weird dude who, like, would interrupt my name and say, hi, what are you listening to? Right? I mean, they don't want to be bothered, right? Headphones on, do not get in my space, that's what we Americans do. Don't get in my space. I'm trying to have my own little space here, okay? But the people gather knowing that we need to get out of our personal space. We need to know that we're wired for community. We're wired for worship. A recent survey that was taken revealed that 52% of Americans said they wanted to grow with God. That's worship. But then 31% said they wanted to grow in friendships, that means there are just a ton of people who are realizing they're wired for worship and wired for community. And you are one of those people as well. And then lastly, you have this group called the Barna Group that did a recent survey of young adults around the world under 25. And this is what young adults around the world under 25 years and teenagers as well were saying that two-thirds of them said that no one really cares about them. You don't think that's an opportunity for the church? To say, you know what? We need to live out loving God and loving one another because two-thirds of the world's young people are starving for a real friend. And guess what? They're starving right here in our community too. I'm going to close with a story. News outlets reported that it was on September 2, 2018 when Miss Darren Sturch, a nurse, and her daughter, Brianne, came upon an accident involving several motorcyclists. She quickly jumped into action. Likely, her action saved some lives that day. After the accident, some of the bikers kept in touch with her. They wanted her to know how they were doing, how people were recovering. It was a miracle that everyone recovered from this really terrible accident. 
Now, fast forward a year later. So the daughter, Brianne, a little eight-year-old girl, uh, was trying to do a lemonade stand to raise money. She rides horses. It got rained out. And so her mom posts on Facebook, hey, daughter Brianne's trying to raise money. Can you come by the lemonade stand? Well, one of the bikers saw it because they kept in touch and said, hey, would you mind if a few of us came to the lemonade stand? You know, I'm not sure how, far, how many hours I had to drive, but would you mind? She said, oh, please, please come. She'll love it. So lo and behold, the next day, 30 bikers show up for this lemonade stand, okay? And they're laughing, and they're hugging, and they're crying, and they're talking about that day, right, where they all were drawn together, where somehow this suburban family and a biker group become bonded around a reality that we're all just human, right? We're all hurting. We're all lonely. We all have needs. And I want to leave you with that story because I don't know if anyone's Christian in that story, but that's what the church should look like. It should be the suburban families and the biker group and people from all different colors and walks of life. The singing you know what? Because of Jesus, because we're all hurting and we all need hope and we all are lonely, we're all going to come together in the name of Jesus and learn how to love one another. And we know it's not going to be fast. We know it's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. I need it. You need it. It takes time. Would you take the risk to pray that prayer? Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, we want to take a risk this year to go deeper in relationship with you, yes, but with one another. This is what the church should look like. We're all hurting. We're all lonely. And only you, Christ, can give us the power to love one another for the long haul. God, you've wired us for this, to love one another, to cry with one another. And Lord, thank you that we might even save each other's lives because we're listening and we're loving and we're serving one another. May that be the thing that our friends and neighbors see, that we actually love you and love one another. Lord, give us, give us the courage to say yes to community this year. And in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.